Hello, 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 everyone. Yes, it's Dr. Tamara Beckford, and I am excited to be back again. Now, we are on the Dr. Tamara Beckford Show. I do have a wonderful guest here, but I would be remiss if I did not let you know that tonight, 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 for those of you guys who are watching, we have our wonderful masterclass about Is Your Team on the Edge? Seven Ways to Boost Productivity in your team using self-care, right? So do not forget to come. It is a free masterclass. Register for it at yourcaringdocs.com slash masterclass, right? So let's bring in our wonderful guest for tonight. All right. So this sister doc is a friend of mine. Yes, I have many awesome friends. I'm so excited and I'm thrilled that they're part of my life, right? So this wonderful sister doc of mine, she's a graduate of the USC Keck School of Medicine. She did her physical medicine and rehabilitation, which is affectionately called PM&R. She did that training at UT Southwestern in Dallas, Texas. So all my Texans stand up. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, she's the medical director for Palomar Hospital acute rehab and she's also the associate medical director at encompass rehab she is the president-elect for csp mnr which is an organization dedicated to the advancement of physical medicine and rehabilitation she is the founder of dancing doctoras and she's going to give us a wonderful demonstration so you have to make sure you stick here to the end you do not want to miss that now why does she do that that is a an organization that she has put together that's aimed to promote wellness through dancing. I'm talking about the one and only, my sister doc, Dr. Kimberly Davis. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. How are you? Um, I think we're muted. I'm not hearing you. I'm not hearing you. I heard you before, but I'm not hearing you now. Is this better? Yes, ma'am. I'm so sorry for that. Yes. I'm just going to switch it all over. Yes, oh, so maybe that was. Yes, how are you, <laughs> Dr. Davis? I'm doing great. Sorry for the technical difficulties. That's okay. It happens. You know, it happens. That's all right. Tell everyone to fast forward. <laughs> it's only a few seconds. So I'm glad. I'm so glad that you're here. All right. So, you know, you're doing so many things, medical director, and we're actually here to talk about this additional thing with you, which is an expert witness. I'm like, have you ever watched TV? You've seen expert witnesses. You're like, what? What goes into that? Well, have no fear. Dr. Kimberly Davis is here to tell us all about this. So, before we get deep into this, tell us what made you decide to be a doctor in the first place? Um, so just as a correction, I was medical director of Palomar Acute Rehab and yeah. um, and then also associate medical director yeah. for Encompass. But, you know, a part of the self-care that we can talk about later has mm -hmm. been where you need to have good balances in life. And, and that's a part of the medical legal work as well to make mm -hmm. sure that, you know, you can bring in, um, you know, income that 
you know, is supporting you, but as long as you're happy doing what you love and and keeping the happiness of doing what you love by not overdoing one thing at a time. It's all about balance. Um, So to get to your question about um, why I became a doctor, um, I get that question a lot, but honestly, I, you know, when I was asked when I was five, do you want to be, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I always said doctor. I mean, of course, that switched in my head going back and forth mm-hmm. growing up. Um, and that's just such a cliche thing. But I did. That was the first thing I wanted to be. But I think my father nailed it in my head, too. <laughs> doctor kit. And he was a scientist. But I think deep down, he always wanted to be a doctor. So he kind of pushed <laughs> that one on me. And, um, and you know, because I he loves science, but he was also an extrovert like I am. And mm-hmm. he loved around people. And I think he felt there is, there's so much you can do, you know, being a physician, Um, Mm -hmm. you can still do research, you can still, you know, get fully immersed in science. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's, you know, it just, you know, the world is your oyster, really, you know, when it comes to being a physician, you can do so much with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, I, and then I went, you know, of course, through schooling and going through every topic about what I liked or didn't like. Um, my mother was an interior designer, so I mean that just wasn't my forte. I, my <laughs> pictures were, you know, like stick figures. <laughs> Mom so, was saying, "Hmm, I guess you developed develop my table." <laughs> <laughs> and then I, um, you know, went, you know, as I saw what I was, you know, good at, what kind of came naturally, it was science and math. Although I, you know, wasn't, you know in the very top notch, I I would definitely get down on myself and not feel that I could, Mm -hmm. you know, I was smart enough to be a doctor, but the encouragement that my father gave me was um, extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, just moving through life, just seeing, you know, he had cancer, he died very young. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, young in my, in my mind, because I was 25 at the time, but that's where, you know, I was, um, you know, going into med school and and then watching the whole process from high school um, when he got first diagnosed Mm -hmm. to when he he passed away was um you know that really nailed it in the head i mean i i said yeah i need to be a part of this kind of system Mm -hmm. not the system but i want to help you know improve you know patients outcomes you know and i needed to be there for people and use the science knowledge in order to do that I love it. I yeah. love it. Oh, it's so, you know, the love and the support from those around you, it just goes to show like how much that support can get you through those times when you feel as if I'm not good enough for this. Maybe this is not for me. But that support is there saying, no, yes, you got this. You got this. Alrighty. So exposed to the sciences, very young. Dad was a scientist. Dad said, you need to be a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though he made me work in his lab. <laughs> <laughs> you can work in the lab with me, but you need to be a doctor. And yeah. Then, and then was there to support you during times when you felt as if you could not do it. Maybe this isn't for me. And then as time went on, you know, your dad ended up, um, you know, getting ill and having to be part of the system. You watched through that and then you solidified, as you mentioned, like, this is what I want to do. I want to be able to help. And you said, extend lives and have people have very productive 
and um, lives. Which brings us to now you're in med school. There are all of these rotations. There are so many specialties out there, but you chose PMNR, which a lot of people have no idea what PMNR is. <laughs> they still some some people call it physiatry for those of you guys, especially if you're in um, some of the British um, countries or the British influenced countries. Physiatry, um, those here in, in um, the United States, PMNR. You're like, oh, this is an alphabet soup. Tell us what PMNR is and what made you decide to do it. So PMNR, physical medicine and rehab. Um, so yes, we are in, and I, I don't know who named it because it's very confusing for people. And I get asked, what do you do as a PMNR physician? Um, and physiatry, um, mm -hmm. it doesn't really say anything because you yeah, go with most physiatry. Most people think you're, you're a, a physicist. <laughs> right. You know, neurologist. Oh, yeah. You study, you know, the brain and you study the nerves like that makes sense. And then mm -hmm. physiatry. What is physiatry? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's I think because it encompasses so many different things. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think the best way it, someone, um, another physiatrist said, OK, maybe we should change the name to neuromuscular um, physician. Um, and that also doesn't play too far into it because we treat like multiple arrays of things. So pain mm -hmm. management um, and a lot of our focus is, you know, getting into the post-acute part right. of, you know, patients after they get, you know, catastrophically injured, particularly what I do with, mm -hmm. you know, inpatient rehab, acute rehabilitation. Um, and that's where, you know, patients have gone through life-changing events mm -hmm. that um, is a part of illness or injury. And they they need help because it's not just over from that. They need help in terms of getting back to being either, you know, the normal person they were, the normal functioning person they were, mm -hmm. or, you know, having a new normal and how to function that way in, in living in this world and this planet. And, and being able to, to do everything that we take for granted, like dressing yourself, mm -hmm. um, you know, going Even like brushing your teeth, brushing your teeth, eating, you know, eating. Yes. So swallow function. I mean, gosh, you know, some of the I mean, it's just those things that we we definitely do every day that can, you know, just get halted and. Absolutely. So I, I love seeing um, that get rehabbed. So I think where I initially got exposed to rehabilitation mm -hmm. was actually in college um, mm -hmm. because I wouldn't have known about PM&R. Um, my med school, I was, I think, the only person that went into PM&R in my, in my class. Wow. And then it did increase a little bit after we, we started a, you know, a PM&R um, student interest group. And then that started to grow after that. But it, um, what, what happened was, is during college, I was the pre-health major. It was a new major where we got to rotate at one of the local hospitals. Mm -hmm. And we went through all the different ones, you know, so general surgery, ICU, and then we would do outpatient. And then there was one where they mentioned, and I wasn't excited about it. They go, oh, you got to go to the acute rehab um, unit and rotate there. And I'm like, no, can I just stick with you know, OB-GYN or, you know, right. and they Something go, no. that you've probably heard of, like acute rehab is like, oh, is that God, kind of exciting? Really boring. Yes. <laughs> you know, this is where the patients go to recover. And you, you know, that, 
that doesn't really, um, you know, give it a didn't whole strike. Right. Yeah, it didn't strike. But then when I went and rounded with um, her name was Dr. Jackson and she was a physical therapist, which physiatry commonly I get called a physical therapist mm -hmm. um, and and it, we're not. We order physical therapy, but she went to med school and then became a PM&R physician. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I rounded with her and it was patients. I mean, the, I didn't realize all that care that goes into them and, and the amount of work that is needed to get these patients back to the community. Right. And that's the goal is back to the community, back to work, um, back to, you know, whatever your life was or, or how you're going to live your life with purpose. And so um, that was, I love, I love that. That was actually I never thought about how, I mean, with rehabilitation, you know, we think about it in just standard, like, okay, you're doing these things. But one of the things that just struck me, what you said, is to get them back into the community, because community is so important for us as human beings. And we know when you're going through something that's life altering, you probably do feel isolated. So to be able to now get this function, and it would be great for you to get the function back 100%. But even if you're 90, you know, you're, you're, whatever it is that you are, you're away from the 0% that you started with after this um, debilitating injury that, you know, occurred. And then you could get back into the community. That is just so powerful. Yeah. And that's, I think, my favorite part about it. Um, that's why I went into it. I, I realized that, um, you know, this is, Kind of my belonging because they need a lot of coaching. Yeah, um, they need a lot of cheerleading. Um, not sometimes some of them don't. You know, you know, it's not like the cheesy cheerleading, but it's mm -hmm. it's where you have to, you know, really understand the person. And right. so that's why I call it person-centered care oh. because you have to individualize it for them. You have to know what motivates them mm -hmm. so that they have something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, it's, it's, you see the change in their face when they start to realize that, you know, these patients that come in with, um, you know, spinal cord injury, and now they can't walk or even move their arms. Mm -hmm. And with that, some of them get, you know, dysphagia where you can't swallow. Mm -hmm. So they, they feel very alone Absolutely. and, and they, they want to know when they can walk again. They want to know when, when can I get back to my life? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times um, they don't, um, but they get back to a different life that they can still look forward to, that they can still function with. Right. And that's the most rewarding is seeing how resilient humans are, how resilient the body can be right. and, and what they can do with it. I mean, these people, I get inspired, honestly, every day. And mm -hmm. that sounds maybe cheesy to some people, but I do. I come home and I think about these these patients. And that's, um, that's why I love it so much mm. um, because I go, well, you can't take life for granted. You have to, you know, they teach me how to live better. Oh, wonderful. Wow. They're teaching you how to live from their <laughs> resilience and their drive to improve it. As you mentioned, some might need coaching and that's why it's individualized. Some might be self-motivated and, you know, can grind through it, but everyone has their way of um, handling the situation and the way that they do that inspires you who are there helping them. And so when you're going home, you are going home inspired knowing that, wow, I just saw, you know, I mean, how is it that 
you can say that I cannot do blank when you were just in front of someone who's now made leaps and bounds after having a debilitated injury, right? Yeah. No, I can't complain anymore. I go, nope, you can't complain about that. Nope. Sorry. Oh, I mean, I broke my foot one time dancing and, mm -hmm. and I, it was just a tiny little bone and I was devastated. And then I kept thinking back, oh my gosh, you know, how am I? And so I kept working. I didn't even take any leave off. And I just, you know, the therapist would give me a, a rollator, one of the rolling walkers, and I would just put my knee on there and then, you know, run through um, and see patients because I'm, I'm not going to stop seeing these guys. How can I not see them when, when they, when they need me? And I'm the only physiatrist because there's not many of us. Mm -hmm. And so that's the way I saw it. And, um, and that was, you know, they're like, oh, how are you? Oh, no. What was the reaction of your patients when you <laughs> rolled in, literally? Yeah. <laughs> I know. They're like, careful with that foot. And they were worried about me. And I go, no, I, I need to come in for you. We have to get you better. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. So it was, it's, it's um, yeah, it's nice to have that, that connection with people. That's what I like about it, too, is because, mm -hmm. you know, you're seeing them at they're most vulnerable mm -hmm. um, when sometimes they they don't they don't feel like there's going to be a life after this and mm. and there is. Um, so and, have you have you so we have um, physical me, um, medicine rehabilitation, which is you know you're helping patients um, get back to the life that they were a life that they can live back to their community through um, this these treatment plans that you put together. So you've met people through some of the acute phase and you've, you know, you've ushered them through acute phases and so on. And then some people will say graduate uh, to the yep. community and <laughs> now they're functioning. Have you run into anyone in the community? And what are some of the things that you're seeing or what are they saying to you out there? Um, you know, the thing is, it's uh, when I run into them or if I see them, when I used to see them as outpatient, you know, it, they go, they still have the roller coaster. So it's not over after acute rehab. And I try and remind them that there's this, you know, I know you're, they get really pumped up, you know, they have all these therapists, they're very busy um, with us, they're getting, you know, intensive rehab. And then some of them, you know, go back to, to home and it's, you know, maybe once a week they see, you know, home health, depending on their insurance plan, which is a whole nother topic. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's that roller coaster. And then some of them, they go, wow, you know, it's so great to see you because it reminds them of when they were at their best during that recovery, mm. when they were able to find um, the purpose, when they were mm -hmm. able to find the resilience. And sometimes that does give them a little bit of reminders. Also, I've had patients come back, you know, not through clinic, they would come back and visit us. Because yes. when they leave, I go, I know it's going to be still hard, you're going to have good times, bad times, just like the way life rolls. Mm -hmm. But come back to us, you know, maybe six months from now or a year from now, whenever you feel like you're at your best and this is this is the life you're going to live, come back to us, show us. We mm -hmm. want to see that. That's going to be helping us as well. Right. So it's almost like a <laughs> give back to me because I want to see how well you're doing. I want right. to know that we're doing a good job. And if there's, you know, I, I love the feedback too, but they come and visit, they take pictures with us. 
Um, and those are those are very rewarding. That always lights up my day is I when I get to see my TBI patients or, mm -hmm. you know, so tell, tell for those who are listening, TBI, that sounds like a news station or maybe like a TV station. Yeah, TBI, traumatic brain injury traumatic or brain, brain injury, stroke patients. And they they come back because they, they, you know, they want to say, you know, thank you. And, mm -hmm. and they do. And I just want to see them and make sure that they're still doing and they, great. And they motivate those who are there, right? Who's recently got injured and thinking like, no, life, like this is it for me. You know, yeah. then this is a way of them paying it forward to the other person and say, no, look, I've been where you are. And, um, you know, to help. To I'm glad that. you brought that up. That's mm -hmm. a very important part. And that's an important part of our, our program right now is, is having someone come in that's been through maybe some of the same diagnoses, mm -hmm. at least, um, if we can't find, you know, you know, the exact right one, but they come in and they give them a talk about what it's like firsthand because, mm -hmm. and patients tell me sometimes when they're very frustrated or, you know, they have a lot of pain or they go, you just don't know what it's like, or, you know, and I go, I, there's no way I can, unless I, unless I'm you in your shoes, I don't. And, um, or if they get frustrated at someone asking them to do something, mm -hmm. but my, my thing with them is say, you know, don't ever say I can't, mm -hmm. you know, just say, how can I? Mm -hmm. um, and that they, they like that because they, it gives a little bit more hope. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. All So, you know, we talked about working um, in the acute care setting, um, even a little bit of the outpatient setting, helping um, the patients. But as with many things, you know, we, are able to venture out and you are using your medical degree and all your expertise to be an expert witness. So now how did you get into that? And what does that entail? Because I know some people who are listening, I mean, we just see these things on shows. <laughs> and then there's some people who are thinking like, well, I wonder if I can become an expert witness. So, um, you know, explain to us what you do and how did you get into it? So um, expert witness, so basically um, any physician that practices medicine, and I would say, you know, the caveat is make sure that you're practicing, you know, your scope of practice um, within your field can be an expert witness. So it's not just PM&R, it's, you know, every, it's all, it's very needed. And, um, and the thing that got me into it was, um, you know, I, I just got exposed to it from from another colleague um, mm -hmm. who was a friend and talking about it. I go, that's interesting because it almost when she talked about it, it was um, she was helping with a life care plan. And so she was the expert witness doing the IME for the life care plan. Mm -hmm. um, or you can be a medical consultant as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it's where you put, you know, the future medical care for, you know, some of these patients who have been catastrophically injured, um, you know, through usually it's um, personal injury cases that you would get, or there's medical malpractice cases for those who take that. Um, and it could be from, you know, the plaintiff or the defense side. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, basically she, she outlined what she did. And I go, that sounds amazing. Cause it's almost, and that goes back to the insurance part on, you know, your the care you're going to get is solely dependent 
on what's covered unless you can afford it mm. um, out of pocket. So this is where I, I had a chance to just give everything that I know that patient needs or client, mm -hmm. quote unquote, um, in terms of how they're going to live with the best chance they can throughout mm -hmm. life after that injury. So what kind of rehab are they going to need? Mm -hmm. What kind of equipment? What kind of home modifications? What kind of physicians um, mm -hmm. and other healthcare providers um, are they going to need? Are they going to need a case manager, um, you know, to help with, you know, getting all of their care coordinated? Are they going to need medical transport, you know, for getting in and out of their appointments, you know, for getting, you know, if they have a wheelchair, are they going to need a wheelchair van? Um, mm -hmm. And then also what kind of, you know, secondary complications are, are common and how often will that happen for them given their case and given the experience that I've seen with some of these. So um, some of the cases I've had were spinal cord injuries. Some right. of them were major multiple trauma where they've had multiple fractures everywhere, you know, especially the pelvis where there's a lot of um, spinal nerve roots going through there and then the lumbosacral plexus is around there. So that can get injured as well. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times, you know, they don't get a chance to see a PM&R physician in the acute care phase. Because wow. not all acute care hospitals have a PM&R consultant. Um, I did that for, for our hospital system, but not every hospital system has that. So it, it, then I need to do my own assessment if they haven't really seen them. And I do it no matter what, but I find usually a lot of things. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, if, if I know that maybe the, you know, this, the sacral plexus might be affected in a pelvic injury, I'm definitely going to do my, you know, neuromuscular exam thoroughly right. and figure out what's going on. I'm going to make sure I go into detail about what kind of things that can happen if you have sacral plexopathy and, you know, bladder bowel issues. So that's, all yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like people are wondering, like, what is like the sacral plexus? So we're talking about if you were to injure like your pelvis area that like, you know, and there's so many things that if, if anyone has ever had any type of discomfort in the lower portion of your belly, which Mom. is where your belly, <laughs> then you realize how frequently you use that area. You know, yeah. if someone, for example, if a woman, if you've ever had a C-section and, you know, even just me talking right now, you're holding breath, you're putting pressure down there, you laugh, laughter. I'm like, oh yep. my gosh. <laughs> and incontinence can happen. Yes. yes. You just can't hold anything in and you're just going, and you know. Yeah. It really affects your life <laughs> and, and people don't know it until it happens to you. So that's why I say we take everything for granted until you understand it. Um, and, you know, the best way to comprehend something is having it happen to you, mm -hmm. walking in those shoes. Um, so those patients, you're, you're, as this expert witness and where you're preparing, because a lot of times people think expert witness and they're thinking like boardroom, you, you, knocking and banging on tables, but you're preparing, which I think is, is so interesting for those who are watching now, is that you're preparing almost like a plan for this person of, you know, physically, what are some of the things that, 
they're now able to do or unable to do based on their injuries. And which was also interesting, what you've mentioned is what are some of the complications that might occur in the future? Because a lot of times, you know, we know that some people have, um, for example, if someone has a spinal cord injury and they're unable to walk or use their legs from the waist down and they're in a wheelchair, there are pressure ulcers that occur. You know, so when a pressure ulcer, which is basically when the pressure on that particular part of the body, you know, we move around, so we move pressure from one area to the other. But when it's just constant pressure on an area, then the, the, the cells, the organs, or, you know, the tissues get damaged. <laughs> and yep. once they get damaged, it can become infected. And then now that person is dealing with an infection that can spread throughout the entire body. Yep. But no one I mean thinks about that. It's, there's a whole array of things that come along with different diagnoses. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're thinking of paraplegia with spinal cord injury versus, you know, um, tetraplegia, that's the new term that's now been accepted or quadriplegia is what most people that's formally know it as. Yeah. There's so many different things. And then also along with that, you know, there's going to be a host of different things that will happen to the body over time yeah so i mean you have to think about yeah multiple things i can go through the list but we can, we can we, yeah we'll be here for for the next two hours <laughs> i don't mind i love talking about this stuff <laughs> but yeah it's it's amazing and those things cost money to treat because mm -hmm. you can't have you know like you were mentioning pressure ulcers you know that needs to be treated now you know, then you have to go into the likelihood of them developing a pressure ulcer mm -hmm. with the care plan that you're coming up with. So right. are they going to gonna develop right? that after they've been properly trained how to weight shift? Or if you get the custom made wheelchair that they absolutely need because of their body habitus, mm. you know, all the different things that can help prevent that. Mm -hmm. And then what's the likelihood of that happening? Um, and so sometimes there's just too high of a likelihood, you know, depending on the type of skin they have, mm -hmm. or if they've already had one pressure ulcer, their likelihood of having another is going to be extremely high. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of different components that go into it. And that's what I love about this part is where I get to just dive deep and deep, deep, deep into a case so mm -hmm. that I understand everything about that, that client. Mm -hmm and how their how their body works you know their nutritional status you know pre-mortem conditions which need absolutely. to be left out um, and then how how best to, you know so it's almost like um you know i get to think big about you know these how this patient's going to have the best outcome um mm -hmm. if they were going to live throughout the rest of their life and so that's a part of it. And then that gets priced out and that goes to the, to the case. And I'm not going to say like, it always, like, that's where the money gets used. <laughs> um, I don't know, but um, that's what, you know, I, th those are all my recommendations from my, my medical opinion, mm -hmm. reasonable certainty. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Really providing a plan for that person so that they can understand and for those around them also, because that's what that become challenging, right? That person you're going through it, but those around you might not understand the complexities 
that is now entered into your life. You know, it's a lot of biopsychosocial. <laughs> it's, oh, yes. it's not just, you know, the whole physical portion. There's just so much more that goes in once this occurs. So having you on their side documenting and, and exploring, delving deep into what a care plan for this person would look like now and in the future and, you know, providing um, information that can um, help them. That also probably helps those around them to understand, hey, this is what I am now riddled with and this is what I is expected. And these are some of the things that the care that I'll probably need in order to prevent some right. of it. Or care for, you know, what is, you know, going to definitely evolve. So you think Absolutely. about like upper motor neuron spinal cord injury, mm -hmm. they're going to have spasticity. And yeah. how are you going to treat that? And, you know, what's, you know, what's the most reasonable way to treat it? Okay. Um, and so you, you go into that and then, it, yes. And it's actually, I like that you said that it's a way for them to know, but it's also a way for me to help educate, you know, other, other you know, um, career paths. So some of the lawyers, they love getting into it and they get so like, there's a, I did a testimony and the judge even looked like so interested <laughs> in what happens to the body after a spinal cord injury. Cause I'm trying to, you know, now get into my lay terminology and mm -hmm. then, you know, trying to figure out how I can explain to them mm -hmm. in a way that they understand. And they, you know, I, I saw the, you know, everyone was like on their seat, you yeah. know, like listening to it and you could tell that they're thinking about other people they see or that maybe Absolutely. they know like it's resonating and it's like it's not just this person like oh now i can see and oh that now explains what happens to another person or a loved one who's gone through something similarly exactly and that that was a that's a good part of when you have to do a deposition or testimony that's the way i look at it mm -hmm. although i mean you don't want to go depending on the case or, or so forth. It's not, that's not the goal of it is to educate, right. but during the testimony, that's, I think that's where you get the podium to educate okay. and the jury, they, you know, they like hearing it too. They want to understand what's going on with that, with mm -hmm. that client or the plaintiff. Um, and so that, that's also a fun part. And then being able <laughs> to tie it back in to my patients, cause I go, well, it makes you really think about what are they what's what are things going to look like long term because mm -hmm. i only get to see them for you know this this tiny part of their life when you know you're trying to you know set them up for the best outcome for a long term and so it really i, I like how it it crosses over and helps me in patient care and mm -hmm. then patient care crosses over and helps me with this part where i get a dream big and think about how can i you know get this person the best care possible and not have to worry about insurance. Right. That would, you know, cause we have to commonly think what's going to get authorized, what's not. And that's where, you know, a lot of that, the that, that limits your thinking, but now you can get to truly dive into how you can use your skill set to help them to achieve the best life. Alrighty. So if you're doing all of this, but then you have this additional passion. If you've been doing for years and years and years oh, in yeah. that dancing. So tell us, how did you get into dancing and how has dancing helped you along the different paths of your life? And then how have you decided to create 
the dancing doctora. Dancing doctoras. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I have to say that maybe I've I've actually I started dancing when I was younger. Um, you know, just I got really into jazz. That that just hit my soul when I was probably seven or eight mm -hmm. and ballet that was too technical for me and and I was you know a hyper excited kid that you know I just I loved moving around and I didn't want to have to hold a pose too much and that <laughs> was jazz was perfect um you know especially when Madonna was playing and you know Paul Abdul ooh. And, <laughs> and so then I got into that and um and then I didn't really do too much with it. I ended up getting into other sports, um, team sports. And I, that was my favorite thing about team sports is camaraderie. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was um, where a lot of my energy went for, you know, exercise and activities. Mm -hmm. um, I still danced, um, danced on the dance team for high school. Um, and, and then just kind of, you know, here and there, my friend and I who, um, was in gymnastics. We used to come up with dance routines that would throw in some gymnastics, mm -hmm. but um, I kept it up. But then I got really into it during med school because that's where you have to get so efficient at your self-care mm -hmm. because so much other time needs to be dedicated to studying, to learning, Absolutely. to getting, making sure you pass everything, making sure you are, you know, getting your money's worth <laughs> because it's not cheap. <laughs> and so you could be a successful doctor because the road is very long. Mm -hmm. And so um, what hit everything was dance. I mean, it was almost like a meditation because you have to focus um, enough to where you can move your body to music mm -hmm. um, and learn, you know, different styles of dance. Um, and then also it, you know, if, it makes you sweat, you know, right. you, you definitely, good, you know, good start. cardiovascular. Oh, absolutely. And then there's a nice, the camaraderie part does come in because then you get, get close with people that, you know, you dance around because it's not an easy thing mm -hmm. and it's not a comfortable thing. So I think when you're around other people um, in your community, or I would call it a community, I call it dance family mm -hmm. and you're doing uncomfortable things or you're looking funny when you're learning then, you know, it, it kind of makes you vulnerable to everybody else who, and then we help each other out. Oh no, let's like, this is the move. And, you know, this is how we do it. And it's fun to get, there's something about that cohesiveness, mm -hmm. dancing together and movement together that, um, I don't know, that's, it's hard to describe, but. <laughs> it's a feeling, you yeah. know, that really just, just really goes and, and it pulls and draws you. So mm -hmm. now, but there's this other dance that you do that so in order good. to ensure that we don't run out of time, because I know you want to oh, show yeah. some of those moves. Oh, it's definitely. I'll get into it. So Brazilian Samba. And that's mm -hmm. where I started learning Brazilian Samba was in med school. I went mm -hmm. with a couple of their med students who um, danced before and they said, oh, there's this great class. Um, and so I went to the class and I loved it. It was, it hit all the cardio. Um, I mean, it was fast. It was challenging mm -hmm. and, and I, I love a good challenge. And so <laughs> um, it wasn't something I did and it, it, you know, the drums, like the, the beat um, and then how much cardiovascular exercise you got from it was okay. it hit every component I needed. 
and so that trying to do Brazilian samba myself for I, I tried for a year. I still couldn't get it. <laughs> I mean, I like I got the hips, but then I couldn't get the feet. I got the feet, but I couldn't do the hips. Like I couldn't put them together. Like it is so hard. <laughs> it is. It is. But I find that um that that difficulty is also intriguing because it can be frustrating, but you go, well, I want to get this right. Because once you, and I call it Samba Epiphanies, um, <laughs> is where you you feel like you have it, where yeah, the movement cool. doesn't feel awkward anymore, where it starts to feel like it makes sense mm -hmm. to the beat. Yeah. And, and that's where, and I love seeing that epiphany face on, mm -hmm. especially other, other women physicians that were in the dancing doctoras. And it was basically a, a short program that about, well, not that short, six weeks, mm -hmm. where my goal was to teach basic Brazilian Samba to women physicians because they're busy and I want to do it as quick as possible. I want to mm -hmm. give them all the high pointers that I needed. It took me and I'm still learning. It's one of those things that you still learn and you get your signature moves and you just, it, it's something that you you don't, it's like being a physician, it's lifelong learning. It's, like, it's a CME, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a continuous Brazilian dancing education. Yeah, okay, absolutely. So let's, let's see if, I know that you wanted to show us a couple moves. So sure. in order to make sure that we capture. Absolutely, yeah. All I have is the shoulders. I didn't even talk about, I couldn't coordinate the shoulders, the hips, or the feet. So oh, I was I just out of the game. For today, we'll we'll just focus on the hips. All right, go and ahead. And then if... If you're ever in San Diego or if you're in San Diego this Sunday, you can come to our performance at Cafe Sevilla. And I dance now with a dance team as well, um, Energia. And mm -hmm. um, and then the drummers, they're um, they're the San Diego drumming band, the Supersonic. It's it's been around for a while. Um, mm -hmm. and so we're gonna do that all together on a performance on Sunday at Cafe Sevilla. I'm excited. But that's where you get to see the full you know, body doing it, but here we'll just focus on the hips because I think that's all we have, you know, even in the window. Yeah, only what you can see. Um and so I think if are you gonna do it with me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to watch. <laughs> okay, okay. I am so, going to watch and I am gonna egg you on. And I'm going to describe for those who are, because we have those who are going to be listening to this on audio, I will be giving you a description. So it's going to be a rendition of old-time radio when we used to listen to the baseball games. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and... probably going to be the hardest way to learn some of anything. <laughs> but um, what I'm going to describe is actually a move. Mm -hmm. that you can put to music. So this will be my biggest tip for today on how to just get your Samba hips down. Mm -hmm. And it's gonna be a two hit on your, like, so it's it's a two hip hip. And, but what I call it is, um, and I'll stand up for this. Mm -hmm. So what, what I say is on one side, so let's go to your right. So hip hip, that's okay. two hips. And then other side, hip hip. And so when you do that, then give a little attitude and say, you're late. Okay. <laughs> and then you're, like, you're late. Ah. You're late. You're late. You're late. 
you're late, you're late. And then we could put it to music. I love it. I think you should get up and try it with me. We can, we're going to do this real quick. I can do that. I can help by describing and saying you're late. <laughs> all right. All right. All let's, <laughs> let's throw it on. We'll do. And so what I like on this one, if anyone has um, time to download the track, it's, um, it's slow samba and it's Brazilian rhythms for dancers. Um, it's easy to find on Spotify or YouTube or anything. So can you hear that? Yes, I can. You're late. You're late. Oh, you're late. You're late. You're late. You're late. Ah. And then when you go to full speed, this is it. So we're moving our hands. We're moving our hip actually. Two to one side. So and so that's the first one. Okay. And then um and then the second one is actually the 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 three hips. So this is where this is the correct samba hip where you go one, two, three. Okay. One, two, three. So we're going to one, left, two, right, left. Yep. Left, right, left, left, right, left, left, right, right, left, <laughs> right, okay. left, right. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Oh, one, okay. Three. So on the third beat, you're usually on the opposite side, and then you start the third the beat again. One, two, one, two three, and then one, you two, alternate. Three. Okay. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Yeah, so that's where your foot movement would come into play. But I would say get the hips down first and let your feet follow. Oh. Some people do the feet and then the hips, but I find that getting the hips down first, which mm -hmm. I think is the hardest part, if you're not, you know, born in Brazil and Samba running through your blood, <laughs> then, then getting the hips down, because that's the hardest part to coordinate and then coordinating your feet after that. Love so it. we could go to that and then we'll do the same track. So the same slow samba. Okay, so one, two, three. 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 Hit, hit, hit. Hit, hit, hit. And then land on the opposite side. Hit, hit, hit. Opposite side. So right, left, right. Hit, hit, hit. Right, left, right. Right. <laughs> and then you and then you start with the other one. Right, left, right. Right, left, right. Hit, hit. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. And that's the thing about that's the thing about dance and learning this mm -hmm. different movement is that it's um yeah you can't describe it it's not something you can just you know think about it's where you have to get up and move mm -hmm. and and watch I think a lot of biofeedback is good so get a mirror in front of you listen wow. to music if you're on the road or you know if if you just need a break listen to you know a samba song that you like and. And I think just hearing that, just go one, two, or one, two, three, and try and hear that, those beats, that already will get you, you know, moving, like even tapping your finger. And then visualizing yourself dancing. So watch some Samba dancers and then visualize yourself doing oh, it. Oh, I love, I love it. They're, they're, they're 
Excellent. <laughs> Actually, I saw a video not too long ago of uh, um, a young lady who just learned the samba and oh. uh, she was doing excellent, <laughs> excellent, excellent work. And I, I guess I, get, I got caught up in the feet, but I'm going to work on the hips and I'll start off with the hips and then the feet will follow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anytime. And then on Tuesday, if you want to come um, March 7th, there's going to be um, I'm going to, you know, do another master class. And okay, yeah, it'll tell be them, tell them. Yeah, people now they're probably figuring out they're like, okay, yeah, it probably is dynamic not. doctor. She <laughs> does physical medicine rehabilitation. She is an expert witness and that she helps those who have gone through catastrophic injuries. Not only is she helping them physically, but she's also helping them in planning their life and some of the different steps that they're going to need and the, the help and the support that they'll need throughout their life. And then she is an expert dancer and she does samba and she's providing samba to the world, <laughs> the joy and the benefits of dancing, camaraderie, um, you know, friendship, the, what do you call it? The samba epiphany? A samba epiphany. Uh -huh. Samba epiphany that occurs. So where can they find, well, actually before that, because I have to ask my favorite question. And with this. <laughs> so if you weren't a doctor, a samba dancer, expert witness, what would you be? Gosh, that's a good one. Um, I would probably be a pop star. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that or a trophy wife after i mean it depends <laughs> have i gone through all of the medicine and everything then you know and knowing knowing what i know now no i'm kidding <laughs> so are I'm we doing pop star, star like hannah fun. montana type thing or like what, what type of pop star are we oh god i mean paul abdul Woo. jennifer lopez I see that Shakira. yeah because they're dancers and yes because <laughs> you still brought the dancing and you you got me you got me you brought it yeah. in anyway. it was just had that extra challenge that i always like to get i <laughs> like, love it i love silly it. i'll look <laughs> you're my favorite pop star <laughs> yeah. oh yeah we'll do a little right. bit now <laughs> all righty so you know as we mentioned you're very dynamic and you're in you know pop star in the making um, but where can we find you? I know that there are a lot of people who are watching and they'll probably love to learn more about what you do and also about the dancing aspect. Oh, so, yes. And I would love more. to, uh, I, you know, whoever's listening, it doesn't matter if you're a doctor or not or a woman or not. I would love to teach anybody at least the basic steps just to get you moving so mm -hmm. people don't get afraid of it. It is a hard and difficult thing to learn. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think once you get down those couple of steps. I mean, that's what I love to teach that part. So people can find me through my email, um, K Rose, my middle name. Mm -hmm. um, and then my last name Davis at rehab spelled out doctor spelled out.org. And then um, otherwise, people can also find me um, on Facebook, you can message me and I'll friend you. Um, I'm one of your friends. So <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, so just find me through you. And um, I'm Kimberly Stromberg, my, you know, my husband's name, but then it says Dr. Davis. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a good way to find me in Stromberg, S-T-R-O-M-B-E-R-G. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then um, and then the Facebook group, the Dancing Doctoras. And so just feel free to join. I'm, I'm happy to have you. Masterclass next week, um, March 7th at 5.30 Pacific Standard Time. And yeah, I would love to have as many people on there as possible. Love I love doing this, this amazing thing that's gotten me through medicine. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. So for those of you guys who are out there and you too would like to release stress, learn how to do some, even if it's the basic samba moves, to get that body flowing and moving, get yourself energized, join a community of other people who love to dance and who are, you know, at different phases in their dancing. So you, when you're joining this community, you are not going to feel isolated because you don't understand these steps. You are there with everyone else who are learning these basic steps together and really breaking a sweat together. Oh, yes. Right? That's the best part. It gives, you know, you're killing not two birds, but three birds and one stone. Love it. <laughs> Fun, love it. sweat, love it. <laughs> learning. Yes, yes. Alrighty. So, Dr. Kimberly, thank you so much for stopping by the Dr. Tamara Beckford Show. It was a pleasure having you here and really laying out your expertise in all these different fields. Now, I know for those who are there watching, you're like, oh my gosh, I just jumped on. I didn't get a chance to hear everything she had to say have no fear. You can find this wonderful interview. You'll be able to find it on our yourcaringdocs.com website. And you just select podcast and you'll see Dr. Kimberly Davis's beautiful face. Just oh, like, listen perfect. here <laughs> and you'll be able to hear this wonderful interview. Now, for those of you guys who are out there and you're like, you know what? I'm doing amazing things and I really want to tell the world about it. Have no fear. Also, please send me an email at drbeckford at yourcaringdocs.com to book. Do keep in mind, we are booked out three months in advance because there's so many wonderful docs out there who are doing amazing things inside and outside of clinical medicine. Now, if you have made it to the end of this, thank you, thank you, thank you. But I do want you to know that we do have a wonderful masterclass also that will be held. So come and join our masterclass. It's yourcaringdocs.com backslash masterclass, yourcaringdocs.com masterclass. So U R C A R I N G D O C S dot com slash masterclass. I will see you then. And thank you, thank you so much, Dr. Davis, for jumping on. Don't forget, you guys, leave us a review. I'm pretty sure this was a five star interview. So you leave us a five star review and let us know what you think about this. We'd love to hear from you. Do you have any last words, Dr. Davis? Thank you so much for having me. You're amazing. And I love the work you do and continue on. I mean, you're, you're helping so many people too. And, and I love being around people like you, you inspire me. You inspire me too. And I definitely need to make it to my dancing doctoras. Oh, yes, please make it. We'd love to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So everyone, thank you so much for watching and we will see you guys next time. Thank you. Bye.